Welcome to Nathan's Freedom Zone. Today we have Mindy Spitch. She's a shamanic healer and she's a part of the New Haven uh, Native American community. And it's a very big honor and pleasure to bring her on the show today. So say hi, Mindy. Hi, Nathan. Thank you so much for having me. It's how fun is this? It's a lot of fun. That's pe other people should be doing, and it. it's so much fun. I, I think so. We get normal people on the radio, and they talk what about about whatever they want on the free zone. <laughs> and what is normal? Right. Yeah, we're actually pretty far off from normal, <laughs> but in a good way. Since we're, you know, the normal in this society is like totally toxified. I think so too. And shut down. <laughs> yes, yes. We don't want to be normal. Not one bit. Not one bit. So Mindy has quite a few secrets to share today about self-improvement on the physical level and the emotional and spiritual and mental level on all levels. So this would be fall under the great work category under the first half of the great work, which is where you work on yourself. And um, first, doing the first half of the great work is a requirement to do the second half. They both go hand in hand, and a as you improve yourself, you will naturally be able to be more effective at improving other people. Whereas if you're only focused on improving other people, but you never bother getting yourself in line with truth and with uh, natural law under, you know, tox getting rid of your own toxicities, for example, and bad emotions. If you never do any of that work, that's going to drag you down and, and poison your external work, too. So it's all connected. That's That seems to be the theme of what we'll be talking about today, but I'm sure we'll go off on tangents and everything else. So. I'm sure we will. Yeah. Yes, you, you said it right, Nathan. I think we have to focus on ourselves first and our culture doesn't really teach us that we're supposed to be giving to everyone all the time and don't get me wrong giving to others is a great thing but if we aren't in good shape if we don't take care of ourselves we cannot be effective at giving to others or helping others because we won't even have anything to give in the first place exactly right <laughs> exactly so and it's my belief that one of the most powerful ways that you can help others is by being a great example. So if you're walking your talk and other people see that you are doing that, actions really do speak louder than words. Yep, that's true. They definitely speak, but words actually are in fact an action. And if, if you have the correct words, that should never be understated, you know, as important. But you're not going to even have the correct words if you're not taking the correct action, which this is the actually the wisdom under Mark Passio's definition of the word wisdom is what you do with what you know. Meaning when you when you learn something, if you really deeply, fully understand it, you are going to be outputting and doing things based on that knowledge. It's like the old saying to know and not to do is not to know. So that's how you really even recognize somebody who understands what's going on is if they have done the work to, you know, get off of fluoride and off of McDonald's and if they've started to, uh, you know, help other people, that's how you recognize a truly wise person. I think you're right, Nathan. And uh, one of the things 
you mentioned before that I had been through shamanic training, which I have. I, I studied shamanism in the Peruvian tradition of the Incas of Peru. So, but I think uh, indigenous cultures across the world have, have similar belief systems. But one of the things, well, the first year of my training was about clearing myself, getting in, digging deep, looking at my shadows, making peace with them, making friends with them, and learning a lot about myself because one of the things I recognized was when you are wanting to help someone heal, if you have, if you're out of balance, then you're projecting that on that other person. And you can also pick up their projections. So the more in balance you can be, the more effective you can be at helping um, guide someone else. Because it really is about just helping guide someone. We don't heal anyone else. They heal themselves. But we can be a great guide to lead them down their own path of healing and wellness. Yeah. It's hard to say. Sometimes, you know, if you give another person an energy boost with chi energy, maybe I'm I'm not an expert at this, but you know, and then, like a normal allopathic doctor who does like a surgery, maybe he's not maybe he is because we are all one self, right? So, who's to say that one one self couldn't actually really really add some energy into another self and actually fully heal them which might be actually be the second half but at the same time she, Mindy is correct that the self has to heal itself and it has to want to heal first and then it'll start looking for guides and answers and that's when you can become a guide to another person and point them in the right direction and give them uh, tips and pointers of what to do and also what not to do it's equally important it is and kind of one of the things, as you're saying it, that's the definition of being a good friend to someone. Being able to have a good discussion with somebody, um, helping them think about the things going on in their life. Maybe think about it a little differently than they have in the past. Yeah, and let's not all get caught up on labels like shamanic healer or d doctor or whatever else because we can all be healers and we can all be teachers and we can all be gurus at the right time and for the right people so it's not like you know Mindy is some sort of superhuman or even that I'm a su some sort of superhuman just because I tell the truth anybody can do this even even you right now you can if you just make the choice you can begin your own healing process but Mindy's right you ha you really have to focus on self-healing because if you can't even take care of your microcosm then good luck taking care of the macrocosm yes you're so right you're so right so there's there's so many ways that we can take care of ourselves that I think we might ignore sometimes because we get caught up in life we get distracted with too much tv too much alcohol people whatever it is we get caught up in life too much work too much work yes not enough play yeah we need to be having more fun that that's probably across the board with everybody but um i thought of a few different areas that I think everybody can benefit from looking at 
and one of them is the your energetic field and that's part of what I do as a shaman and as Nathan said I'm no better than anyone else the difference is I had some training and I practice it so anybody can get training and practice and you do have to practice to get good at anything whether it's playing the piano or singing or um, playing basketball or whatever you have to practice so working with healing energies is the same way yeah and Mindy is a very talented shamanic healer I've I had a session with her and it really helped me with my shadow work and also getting me um, a, a big boost in releasing negative thought patterns and emotional buildup and blockage and just just talking with Mindy is very comforting because she, she you know one, one way of healing another person or allowing a person to heal themselves is to just listen to them express whatever it is that's bothering them you know that's so true <laughs> yes I think that's a lost art too is listening because sometimes a person doesn't want you to solve their problems they just need to talk about it and have a, a safe place um, a safe person to be a sounding board for them and it's almost like by putting your consciousness onto whatever it is they're talking about it by actively listening that that in and of itself has a healing um, effect just having someone else look at what it is that's bothering you it really does and I have found too that I gravitate toward people who can gently ask me questions about what is going on they don't try to tell me what I should do or shouldn't do but they'll ask me have you thought about this have you looked at it this way and that's very non-threatening but it it helps because you do you think wow I I hadn't thought of it that way but now that you mention it and their questions guide you toward your own answers because ultimately we want to get our own answers yes that is a actual method for even deprogramming a person from statism or authoritative belief structures or even Christianity or whatever it is that is holding them back from the truth which under natu under Mark Passio's language vernacular is called a religion he breaks it down in uh, Latin rele gare which means to tie back re legare is to tie back re meaning back and, or down and then legare meaning to tie so that's one way to break the word down in Latin the other way is for the word religion is a coming back to the truth so there's sort of two actual Latin ways to interpret that word and that's the difference between true religion which is where you're actually making the truth your religion and then false religion which is just a box that someone else put you in and as Mindy was saying one way that we can help heal this type of dangerous mind control when we recognize it in another person that is a non-threatening way that for some people might work uh, a lot better it's called the Socratic method and that involves just asking the right questions to get them to think about things differently and I think Socrates 
you must have used this method a lot if it was named after him, but you just uh, ask a person interesting questions and then it'll lead their mind down this weird place that they've never gone. And Larkin Rose does this very well. He's actually been trying to deprogram people from government and authority authority belief systems for like 20 or 30 years and he's really been identifying what works and doesn't work for him and he's putting that out on the internet in uh, various different ways he does a lot of Facebook and then he does other things like videos but he says you don't want to offend them but I mean sometimes you, you do want to ask them questions like one of his questions that he uses for status is what should be done in your opinion what would you like to see done to a person who doesn't pay taxes or who doesn't obey the law what would you like to see done to them and then he says that a lot of times they try to dodge the question over and over again but he just brings it and he keeps asking it and a kind of an interesting method so thanks for bringing that up mindy <laughs> sure sure i i think I think that's a great way to help people and it's a great way to cultivate deeper friendships too you get to know somebody better and how they really feel about things yeah and let's not underestimate other ways of trying to deprogram a person because maybe for some people they just need to have it um, yelled in their face through a bullhorn or something <laughs> you know that's what Mark Passio says it says he says um, whether or not something is true is the most important thing not how it's being presented but at the same time you do want to be tact tactful about how you're presenting information and feel it out for certain people. Sometimes it seems to me that the more direct, almost threatening, but not threatening, just like personal um, attack kind of <laughs> way, I've done that sometimes and it seems to me like it's... So, you know, once you get on the path of actually trying to help others' minds, you, s you just start experimenting with different approaches and you find what works for you and what is going to work on another person and I think just practicing it and not being afraid to even try is probably how you get to be more effective it is and using your intuition because like you say everyone is different so you can't use the same techniques the same tone of voice for everybody but um, that is one of the things that's really important in all aspects of life life is really really tapping into your intuition as we talked about in the very beginning caring for yourself taking care of you yourself part of that is being very intuitive and following your own guidance and I think we have lost that it's a lost art in our society people aren't programmed to use their intuition and so there's a lot of overanalyzing of everything. And not only that, but they're actually told, and I had heard this again listening back to episode 28 of Mark Passio's podcast recently. He was talking about how you're told by the system that you can't know the truth and that you need to rely on expert opinion about everything and the experts always know best and if you don't have a PhD or an MD or you're not the president of the United States then you can't know anything is what they want you to think and 
they want you to disregard your own intuition and always do you know what the doctor says and uh, what the TV says kind of thing so there's a reason why people have forgotten how to use their intuition and a lot of it is fear and the the norm of mainstream society and a program that's running and by being an example of using intuition you can actually help snap other people out of it I agree and reminding them about their intuition um, it's it's so very simple but yet we have forgotten it your intuition is that first immediate answer that you get when you ask a question and if you have learned to ignore it for a long time you almost just blow right by it but it's there it's that first little thought you have someone asks you a question or a decision is put to you that first thing that pops into your head is your intuition speaking but what happens is we typically we go right by it and then our analytical mind kicks in and says oh wait but but what about this and then what about that and then we get very confused because we're looking at so many different options or answers that we've completely forgotten what our gut was telling us what our true inner guidance was if you can ever step back and begin to recognize that little voice that little answer that first thought that pops into your head and begin to pay attention to it your life will be so much easier yeah that's what I call following the spirit and the spirit talks to you a lot and it can just be a little thought that instantly pops into your head that says you need to do this or you need to not do that and it's, if you will just stop making excuses when you get thoughts like that and immediately implement whatever you think it's telling you it really does take you on an adventure real fast whereas if you try to ignore that it's almost like you're just not gonna go anywhere and your your vibrations are gonna go down and it'll be less fun exactly exactly and and don't negate also your imagination because what is our imagination but our higher self our spirit giving us answers so if someone says oh that's just your imagination say great that's perfect that is the answer yeah Mark Passio calls the imagination the philosopher's stone so I believe that yeah yes it's the key to turning base consciousness or lead into the gold of enlightenment um, like Tesla was really good at imagination he could actually imagine an invention in his mind and then he would just implement it exactly like he imagined it and it could be really complicated and it would work perfectly the first time because he was so good at it I'll give you an example of recently my intuition and you said as soon as your intuition kicks in then the logical mind tries to uh, add a bunch of data so what happened I was gonna buy a bow staff for martial arts because my friend Aubrey he likes to do bow staff and he inspired me and so I found a cool website that'll do a custom length um, in centimeters from Japan and so my first instinct you know I had to decide what length and then my first instinct was well eyebrow level 
And then I second guessed it for like two hours and I got like a tape measure and I was sitting there like playing with a tape measure and then I was playing with a broomstick and I was trying to imagine exactly all of these, how, how, if, whether or not it would hit the ground in the perfect balance. And then for two hours, I just tried to overanalyze it. And then I finally settled, you know, after my analysis was done, it agreed with my first intuition and it was like, yeah, exactly your eyebrow length. <laughs> and so, so... I don't know. It's almost like the analysis part helped me, but maybe it was unnecessary at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it was confirmation. <laughs> it was. But the the, the first in, intuition was right on. That's great. That's a great example. Another great example. I got into drinking distilled water like two or three years ago. And on the internet, if you look up distilled water, the first link or two you'll find is an early death will result from drinking distilled water. And... I actually had looked into this on the internet and what I found is that these three websites were all like circularly referencing each other and they didn't have any actual reference but somehow it ended up as the first result on Google every time. So I don't know what's up with that. It almost seemed like a conspiracy. But based on my intuition of drinking distilled water, what everyone says, and all types of people say this, they say it will leach minerals from your body. And in my intuition, and ba based on my experience, it actually does the opposite. So what happens is when you eat mineral-rich food and you drink distilled water, it allows your body to absorb the minerals faster, and then it allows it to detox whatever it's trying to get out faster. So it's if you had really terrible food that was lacking in certain nutrients and, you know, all you were drinking was distilled water over time, I mean, you might get a mineral deficiency, but... So far, it's been really good for me in three years, and uh, I would never go back. And that's just my own intuition. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And, and you know, and that was one of the points that I was going to make to take good care of yourself is good water. Whether you get a water filter or you <clears throat> refill bottles somewhere that removes the fluoride, but getting the fluoride, the heavy metals, chlorine, the, yeah, chlorine, pesticides, all of that out of your water, you know, we can't live without water. So we definitely want to find a good source of water. I just recently bought a Berkey and the Berkey brand of water filters are really great. You can buy an additional fluoride filter. So it takes all the fluoride out and the list of pesticides and pharmaceutical drugs that it takes out of uh, municipal water is a lengthy list because now there are we have to worry about pharmaceuticals in the water yeah one thing that the spirit has been leading me to do is to get a filter for my kitchen sink because I don't have one there and whenever I wash dishes or something I I will get it on my hands and if I were to wash a fruit off in there I have actually been washing my foods off and using the water distiller, which, you know, I drink out of the water distiller, and that's way, way better than the sink. And uh, so I'm going to eventually get a uh, filter on my sink, but uh, the spirit also led me to get a filter on my showers, and I think that's very important. And even if it doesn't get fluoride out, if it can get everything else out, you should at least do that, because sometimes the fluoride ones are more expensive especially for like a shower, but it gets the chlorine out. And that, like, I got to where I was sensitive enough to where I can feel chlorine burning my skin. And then you feel it for like two or three hours afterwards. And 
especially if you get in a swimming pool, it's really bad, you know? It really is. And the hot water in your shower turns the chlorine to gas and you're breathing it then. Yeah, you can smell it. You really can. So I think that's a great suggestion also, a, a good filter for your shower um, and to carry your own water around with you wherever you go. A lot of people might be skeptical about stuff like this, but part of that could be that you aren't sensitive to these things yet because you have been doing them your whole life. Like, I was skeptical about water for a long time. Up until, like, four or five years ago, I never, I was drinking city water the whole time. And I had kept hearing about fluoride and all this other stuff, and I was like, well, maybe if I just drink poison, it'll make me stronger, <laughs> right? Yes. But then, but that's not actually how it works. The only way to get stronger is to remove these poisons that you're taking in on a daily basis because that stresses your immune system and uh, your body's, you know, cleaning mechanisms. If they're too busy taking care of unnecessary poison, what happens when, like, this really bad uh, virus or something comes along and, you know, your, your entire organs are all clogged up with fluoride or something, like the pineal gland. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Calcifying your pineal gland. So you're exactly right. We have to keep ourselves as healthy as we can, keeping our immune system as strong as possible by having good water, good food, having good organic food. Um, if you eat meat, making sure that you're sourcing it from, um, you know, make, a, make friends with your local rancher that is raising and humanely treating their animals. It makes a big difference in, in the way you feel. Um, but organic is the way to go because Roundup is everywhere. Oh, yeah. You got to watch out, especially for corn, soy, and uh, other industrial monocrops where they take a big pl plot of land, like hundreds of acres, and then they uh, plant the exact same crop on it. It could, and it's usually like soy and corn, and it's the food that they feed the uh, factory farmed animals. So it's like animal feed, and what they do with that stuff is they process it into Cheetos and high fructose corn syrup, and all of that stuff is laced with Roundup, and even if it wasn't laced with Roundup, it would still be really bad for you because whenever you just decimate a land and um, you keep planting the same crops on it every year and there's no biodiversity that's destroying the soil and it's destroying the environments of all the animals and there's a bunch you know it's just uh, not a very un um, sustainable or environmentally sound thing to do and that's why you it and it comes past even being a vegetarian or a vegan like you want to be watching out for plants that have karma attached and that are have a little bit of toxicity because they are everywhere like you know with the pesticides if you're eating pesticide you can't just imagine that that's not happening and somehow magically you're avoiding the contamination i recommend that everybody uh move as far away from animal products as you can i mean for me it was like an eight-year process i'm i'm almost pretty much all the way vegan i mean as good as I can do. It took me a long time to get there, but if you were to have meat, I would definitely like l at least minimize it. You know, that's my opinion on that. Cause I agree. <laughs> I think I think our culture eats way too much protein anyway. Way too much. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we don't need that much. But but those are some things. You know, good food and good water are essential to taking care of ourselves because if our physical being 
is out of balance, then it's really hard for us to be productive, to get out and, and do what we need to do in the world if we don't feel good. And I think that's epidemic. People just don't feel good. They're overweight. They're, um, they can't get around. They aren't getting movement. And that's not our natural state of being. Yeah, and the universe will send you red flags on a daily basis if you start to get out of balance. Like if you um, are not getting good sleep and you're tired everywhere you go, well, that's a red flag that you need to change something in your life. Otherwise, you're going to be getting into more and more un unpleasant things. And it could be just uh, getting exercise every day or not drinking or not working so much. Maybe, you know, we're, we're all in the matrix. And so it's very difficult for people to make career changes. But if you could find a way of feasibly rearranging your work or quitting your job and doing something else to where you know, you get a little more balance as far as workload, that would probably help with the sleep. Another thing that has messed up, can mess up people's sleep is the amount of electronics that you use, like Facebook and the computer, using those after dark, I find that has a bad influence on sleep and also you just focus in general. Facebook, I've been battling it for a couple of years and uh, I'm getting this weird thing the spirit told me. I had bought Chiaga from uh, new, the man found standing in New Haven and the I, I Am Essential Oils. I had bought some Chiaga, and they gave me a free one, actually, and they mailed it to me later because my order had screwed up earlier. And then I that day I had been Facebooking while I was working with my gardener. And I could I could feel that it was distracting me. I was doing great work on there, and I actually it seemed like I successfully deprogrammed a person after like four hours of them asking for more information. That's how that's so it felt like I was doing the right thing, but at the same time I I could feel myself getting distracted, like I was in two separate places at once. And then I went to uh, acro yoga in the park and. I opened the door and then my Shiaga fell out and it busted on the, the ground. And the spirit made me question that, you know, as like a red flag. And what it was, was that I was so, my mind was so distracted and going in all different directions and in two places at once that I had my hands full. And, you know, maybe if I wasn't Facebooking, that wouldn't have happened. It seemed like that's what the spirit was telling me. So it's almost like the healing medicine just by symbolically doing that on the ground might have actually cured me of this Facebook addiction, you know, or at least helped me along that path. So I've been, I've been even more careful with it. And, uh, one, one advice someone gave me is that if you're going to do Facebook, just give it your full attention for a short amount of time and then, and then get off of it and, and give everything else your full attention kind of thing. That's really great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great advice. And I would also say you were talking about sleeping and electronics to keep all electronics out of your bedroom. Don't plug your phone up in your bedroom, plug it up in a different room. And I set up my uh, Wi-Fi router on a timer so it goes off at night while I'm sleeping. So because um, all of those, that powerful radiation is affecting your sleep. Yeah, I actually sleep with EMF, electromagnetic, and electromagnetic frequency radiation pollution blockage devices so there's there's devices you can use that will absorb emf 
or that will it'll uh, help help it to be more coherent so it's not as damaging to your body. But that is a very good tip to just have your Wi-Fi router on a timer. I mean, that's a very practical and cheap one that anyone can do. The devices I've been using are mainly Organite. Um, these tensor rings don't really block EMF so much, but I think they would transmute it. Maybe they, they, they transmute it. A lot of things you can try, certain stones. The Organite, uh, I couldn't recommend that enough, but... I would at least do something. I carry them on on my body field, just because the amount of EMF radiation everywhere is so uh, ridiculous right now, and most people are used to it, which is why it would they would be skeptical when they hear that it's poisonous uh, because it, they don't feel like they're being poisoned. But once you actually walk around with things that block it and get used to that, and then you don't have them one day, then you notice how how powerful the EMF is and it's almost like you can directly perceive it messing with your head a little bit and your body too. Like the power lines for example. When you're walking under power lines the electricity will arc and the energy will arc off the power line into your body and then it'll go back into the power line. But if you have any, if you have a Shungite, well what I used was Organite. The Organite is like a grounder thing so the the uh, electricity just wants to go right into the organite and get stuck there. And it uh, seems like it really negates the effects a whole lot and transmutes them into good stuff. That's how I know it works, and that's how I know that EMFs are... And I can even feel, with my iPhone 7, I can feel... It's like a little microwave or something. I can feel the radiation radiating my hand. So when I talk on my phone now, I actually... If I'm going to have it in my hand, I try to uh, put a little piece of uh, organite in my hand behind it. And you can, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start making ones you could just stick to the back with duct tape or something. Mm -hmm. But this is just an example of doing things that the spirit tells you to do. And nobody else told me to do that. I just sort of used my intuition and connected dots. And I was like, these things I was making would fit perfectly on the back of an iPhone, so I'm going to start doing that, and you know I'll probably start passing them out because a lot of people could use something like that. <laughs> I agree. I agree because there is so much out there. There's Wi-Fi everywhere. They're starting to put smart meters in houses. I've opted out, so hopefully they won't come and do it on my house anyway. But um, as we talk about energy in that regard, I'll talk a little bit about energetic healing okay. because that is one of the ways that we can help ourselves is healing on the energetic level. And quite often we forget about that because if we have an ailment, we're supposed to run to the doctor and get that taken care of and maybe get a pill for it. Or Maybe we run to a psychiatrist and get a pill for that. But actually, there's so many ways that we can heal ourselves energetically. And in the shamanic training that I have done, I recognize that our energy field, that body of energy that surrounds us, that's a few inches from our body, completely surrounding us, 360 degrees, kind of like we're in a bubble. That energy field can take, well, during a trauma, it can take on dense, thick, maybe negative energy that can stick to your energy field. And then something else happens the next day. You have a 
car accident and then a few weeks later you have a breakup in a relationship and all of those things can can create a, a dense negative energy that a, a healthy body in balance will naturally expel that and work through it but when you get out of balance and you get too many things that have stuck to you too many negative events the energy from those things you get your energy self gets clogged up and that creates blockages and those blockages in your energy field can create problems on different levels of your being maybe it's a physical problem maybe you've had a knee issue for months and you've been to the doctor who said I can't find anything wrong with it but yet you know your knee is hurting maybe there's an energy blockage there uh, on the physical level you can definitely tell when you have something like that but depression anxiety there are so many different feelings in our, our mental and emotional state that are influenced by having a blockage in our energetic being and unfortunately it's not the first thing that m many people in the mainstream would even look at it may not even be the last thing they look for but if you address your energetic being first it can take care of so many issues running across all levels of your being and I might even add that if you have a, a physical problem say someone that has had cancer and they go and have a treatment for it whatever that treatment might be it helps the cancer goes away or it goes into remission but after a while it comes back well it could be that there is an energetic reason for that cancer and if you don't work through the energetic reason try to remove what it is in your energetic field then it will keep coming back so healing takes more than just addressing the physical it, you have to address all different levels of your being that's right and one of the tragedies of mainstream everything is that they actually actively try to put down the uh, energetic and mental realms and prop up the physical as being the only thing that matters it's hence the word matter <laughs> but um, the first law in the hermetic tradition of natural law the first principle is the principle of mentalism which states that everything in the universe is in actually mental um, energy and uh, it's all imagination in the first place so the imagination and the mind it's primal causal factor of all reality in the ultimate long run and you are a reflection of that in your microcosm the thoughts emotions the thoughts primarily that you think create emotions and those emotions can feed back into those thoughts and if you're in the wrong bandwidth in that emotional frequency then that'll match certain vibrations in the manifested physical realm and that the physical realm is the child between the emotional mother and then the I don't really think the thoughts are either male or female but so we have the the action and the 
um, the actions that you take, and also just your body and the things that happen to you, that's the uh, realm of effects. That's the plane of effects, whereas if you are not taking care of the root causal factors, which are always ultimately in the mind, then putting band-aids on things in the plane of effects is kind of futile and a waste of energy to a degree. I mean, you want to actually do that, but you, at the same time, you have to be addressing your internal emotional and mental state. Otherwise, you're going to keep having these problems come up forever. Right. We're holistic beings. We are not merely a physical body, and we're not a mental body or just an energetic body. We are all of those things. And you do have to look at all levels. And I think if you really want to be in the healed state, why not do everything possible to get there? You know, work on your physical, work on your mental, emotional, spiritual, all energetic, all the areas of your body, and something is going to work. I guarantee it. If you start looking in all areas, and in the indigenous cultures, the shaman was the medicine person, the healer of the, the village, the tribe, the clan. And there were a variety of ways that could bring about healing. And the, the true goal of healing is to help your body remember its healed state because our bodies are miraculous. Our bodies know how to be healthy and be healed, but we do so many things in our everyday life to try to keep our body from being healthy and healed. Just like we were talking about earlier with water and food that's not good, drinking, I mean, breathing in uh, air that's not clean. There's so many ways that we knock our body out of its healed state and it kind of forgets. So healing energy is something that can help your body remember its healed state and it will naturally try to go there. Right, and this isn't like a on-off binary switch of healthy versus unhealthy. This is like an eternal process of moving up the spectrum of balance and doing more and more shadow work along the way. The shadow work never stops. It's not like, you know, somebody can heal you one day and then that's all the healing you ever have to do for the rest of your life and now you're in heaven and everything's just magical and you don't have anything else to learn. And it's actually a gift when you think about it because if that was the case, wouldn't it get kind of boring after Would. you get there? Yes. If there was nowhere else to go <laughs> and no more uh, fine-tuning to do and better things that you could uh, imagine or you know, make into a, re a reality. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. But there are so many different things that can be done to help one uh, rid yourself of your habits and patterns and shadows. A shaman can help remove cords that might be attached from you to another person. When we are emotionally involved with somebody, we tend to connect Actually, we attach cords to each other. And cords can be unhealthy attachments. We want beautiful, healthy connections with people, but we don't want to have unhealthy attachments because then we are taking on their stuff, they're taking on ours. 
They can suck the life right out of us. I think we all have experienced that at different times in our lives. And having cords cut help you to be more of who you are without being influenced by someone else's energy as it is put right into your field. Yeah. Well, whenever Mindy did the healing work on me, she found cords that were attached to my parents, which makes sense because I spend so much time around my parents. But after they were cut, I actually felt way more independent and free. And I was like, they'll just, I'll, I'll let them do whatever they want to do. And I'm not even going to worry about them at all. And I felt like I was, I had more energy or something. But, um, one thing that manifested that week that might've been connected was my parents had wanted me to go kind of on a short trip to them to see family kind of, and they wanted me to drive down there by myself and hang out for like a day and then drive all the way back down, which would have been like six hours of driving. And then I was thinking about it after the cords were cut and I was like, eh, I'm probably not going to do that. And then my mom called me and she was like, Nathan, if you don't want to come there, just don't come because, uh, it is kind of a lot of driving. So she sort of put, made the suggestion that I should not come. And I didn't even have to, have to say anything. She just sort of, uh, I guess, had the same sort of thought pattern. And I was like, yeah, I'll just not come. And it felt fine. That's great. Yeah. And it, the cord can regrow. You know, I spend, I still spend a lot of time at my parents' house. And it's just like, I don't know if it's good or bad. But at some point, it can be a burden a little bit. So after they were cut, it did feel like I was lighter and you know, had, uh, and who knows what kind of energy goes back and forth between some kind of quantum connection. Like another thing that Mindy found in me that was called a hook, which is where another being will put an energy suckage device in you. And I can look like a claw, I think is what she said, but it actually will suck energy out of you into that other being. And so it could be like, and this is occultism. Um, this is very, very occult. And it's hidden knowledge. And the, the reason that it's hidden is because most people are not um, purified in body, mind, and spirit enough to even begin to perceive stuff like this. And it's in the more mental, invisible realm. So it's not like, you know, she actually did physical surgery on me and then pulled a hook out of my body. Although I have heard that that can happen with a shaman. <laughs> but uh, in the spirit it did feel like she had lightened me up a whole lot. And another thing that I experienced was uh, emotional release and uh, thinking through past traumas and difficulties that I had, specific ones, and releasing a ton of emotions in, a, in about an hour, I guess, or less. And uh, Mindy said there was like a, an angel that helped to heal me kind of too, which I, I missed the angel, but I definitely felt... Uh, you know, way better afterwards. So that's really great. Yeah, way better. Yeah, that's really great. There are other things too that can help. We can have we can have threads coming through our DNA from our ancestors that are influencing us. Say an ancestor long ago was jilted by their beloved, and they. They might just put out a loud statement that I never want to fall in love again. And they say it with such conviction and focus that it almost becomes a curse or a pact. And that energy is put out there into the universe so strongly 
that it can flow through their DNA down through generations Mm -hmm. and influence you today when that isn't your stuff. So sometimes we're behaving in ways and we think, you know, I don't want to act this way. Why can't I change? I've tried and tried to change my behaviors and it just doesn't seem like I can. Sometimes you're being influenced by something that's not even you. It's an influence that's coming through your DNA. So a trained shaman can cut that influence so that it's no longer feeding you. Because there's so much to what we are doing each and every day that isn't really us. Part, you know, training from our schools, our teachers, our churches, our parents. There's so many things influencing us. And we've learned to behave in that way until you wake up and realize, wait a minute, that that was what they believed. That's not what I believe. So you have things like that that are coming through you generationally. And then it's interesting because you also can have resonance from past lives that are still with you today and influencing you. And a shaman can cut those two, can cut ties to past lives so that you can retain the lesson of it, but you don't have to keep suffering from things that might be, once again, not a part of you today. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like being free from, you know, past trauma that might even go back before you were born. And it sounds kind of far-fetched with the whole DNA thing, but there's actually a... uh, part of science that's called epigenetics which it means beyond the genome or the genes and one of the aspects of this study is how the mind can actually change the dna just based on which thoughts and emotions are in the mind and that 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 could easily be passed on you know to your uh future like if you were to be in a extremely bad mental state when you had when you got pregnant and then when you had a kid and you are, were completely toxic and in your mind body and emotion then that could actually uh program your dna that was passed on to the child over time and then the child can have certain problems that um are maybe connected to that the parent's dna and this could explain why somebody would need some sort of shamanic work because trying to work on this on the physical level which is what science tries to do is such a ridiculously complicated problem that you know they fail at it uh, more times than not because usually what they're trying to do is turn it into some sort of simple pill that they can sell you and yes <laughs> yes and it's not that simple not even close no and you know a pill's not going to take care of it and some of the things that are going on with you energetically even if you're a trained healer or you have become accustomed to looking at yourself being a little more self-actualized it's really difficult to see your own stuff yeah that's what that's what's so beautiful about having other selves who are mere reflections of you take a look at your own problems 
um, because they can identify things that, that you know, you're just used to and maybe you're not even advanced enough because there's people who you, sh- you should never think you're the most advanced person, you know, in any in any aspect of life. <laughs> no, not at all, because no matter how much training you have, your ego, there's a part of yourself that doesn't want to see some of those things that are going on that are influencing you. Otherwise, you know, we'd be perfect yeah. if we could heal ourselves all the time, but we can't. We mm-hmm. we can't see it clearly. It's hidden from our view. Right. Like I couldn't, I had never heard about hooks or uh, cords, you know, and then Mindy has, uh, has a lot of experience with this type of thing. So having her look at me and finding these magical things that I had never even heard of and then actually feeling significantly better and a lot more energetic afterwards and a lot freer. That sort of validates the whole idea that, you know, uh, a lot of people probably need this type of uh, work. Why don't why don't we take a break and then we'll get back into it? Okay, so we're back with Mindy. Um, what else you got on your mind, Mindy? Well, another thing that I was going to mention when you're talking about energetic healing, occasionally when someone is really having difficulty, maybe with anxiety, maybe suddenly their personality doesn't seem the same as it used to be, we can pick up an entity that enters our energy field. And a trained shaman can extract an energy from a person's energy field. And what happens is when you get into a low place, your energy gets really low and it has to be pretty low for an entity to enter. But say you have had an accident and have to go in for surgery and you go under anesthetic. That puts you in a really low place, and sometimes that can open up a portal for an entity to enter. Overdoing alcohol can do the same thing. Drugs or alcohol, when you imbibe so much that you black out, that opens up your energetic body and an entity can enter. So it's it seems to be a little bit more prevalent right now. I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe it's the changes in the earth, but I have noticed more people having entities attached to them. And it can have a profound influence on your personality, on your well-being, on just the way you feel about life because you have another energy force that is influencing you. So having that removed from your energy body is very important to your health. Well, um, I have a story of someone who was close to me who had been having too much to drink for a while. And then one, one night he had too much to drink and I wasn't even there. But when I woke up, I was very confused. I mean, the next day I, I came over and... I have this water jug that I put positive intentions on, and I had put crystals in it for magic water. And then it was destroyed and missing. And it was um, actually thrown over the fence, and it was smashed up, and one of the organites I'd put on it was smashed up. And then I, and then I questioned the person. 
because I knew they had been having the, that kind of problem. And they at first denied it, and then they had to ex- they had to admit it. But it was I just questioned them. I was like, "Are you sure you didn't get possessed by a demon, and the demon did this?" Because this ain't sound it didn't you know sound like anything a normal person would do, and it felt like a demon had taken gone into his uh, consciousness specifically, and then used it to specifically attack me in that way to get rid of this magic water that I was making because I felt like the magic water idea was a really great idea. And it was almost like the demon knew it was too, and he was just like, "Well, why don't we just stop that? This, you know, in its tracks, kind of thing, or just just to slap me in the face, kind of." I don't know. I didn't see an entity myself, but I'm not. I'm not exactly super shamany, and he would He didn't. He didn't really volunteer himself for any type of entity healing at that point. But I was questioning him because it was very suspicious. There are people, <laughs> yes, that you come across that you talk to them, and you think, "Wow, what is going?" on with them they don't seem like themselves and sometimes that is the case sometimes they just are having an issue and a problem but it's a good thing especially if you work around people massage therapists anyone in the healing fields you can pick up stuff from others so part of really taking good care of yourself is cleansing your energy field Frequently, sometimes that requires going to someone that does energy work, that does body work, that can help to clear yourself, balance your chakras. Um, and But there are things you can do yourself. Fortifying your own energy field around yourself, your energy bubble that surrounds you, that is your protection. And you want that to be strong every day because there are lots of forces out there there are people that are just they're in a bad mood and their negative energy is going everywhere they seems like they feel better if everyone around them is suffering too and if your energy field is really low you can take all of that on those of us that are empathetic know that well, that's what another energy healer told me today. So a friend that I know had been trained to be a shamanic healer. She was telling me about another guy who had, um, she had to do an exorcism on him, and he was really drunk. And then this demon would come out every time he would get drunk. And then she had to exercise it, and she said it was really, really scary. But um, what she said is that if you're walking around with a victim mentality, then that is like a magnet for entities and different things that want to take advantage of you. Yes. Yes. It's like opening up a portal and allowing things in. And speaking of opening up portals, another thing is to be mindful of what you open up. I wouldn't just randomly play with a Ouija board or something like that because there are powers to those types of divination tools. And if you're ever going to work with energies, you need to be in a very safe, protected area. Before I do energy work, I set up sacred space. I clear the area, I create boundaries, I call in helper spirits, the spirits of the mountains, the spirits of the land to come and protect the space. So if you're ever going to work with somebody who works at the energetic level, 
A couple things you need to be sure of is that they are in a very safe and protected place because if you're going to have work done, you want to be able to open yourself fully to get the most benefit. The second thing is you want to trust that person because if you're going to open yourself, you want to trust that they have your best intention at heart. And that they are properly detoxified and yes. healed themselves. Yes. Otherwise, you know, who knows what they'll do to you. They'll project their stuff onto you. So, you know, make sure, once again, use your intuition. If you talk to somebody and ask a lot of questions and they'll, you'll get a feeling for if this is someone that you can trust. And a lot of times you can pick this up on the physical level, the plane of effects. Like Ken Rolla told me at Free Your Mind conference, he can tell um, whether or not somebody is selling, you know, good stuff or if they've invented a certain organite device or he, he would also sell Ormus. And he would say, somebody's using all of these products and, you know, they look like they're about to die. Then that probably means that you shouldn't <laughs> be using the same products that they're using. Right. Yes, once again, being a good example, you don't want the uh, fitness trainer that weighs 300 pounds. You want somebody that's, if they're yeah. promoting a product or themselves, you want them to be displaying that in the best possible light. Yeah, and you know, you can be um, a little lenient with certain people, like Jay Parker. I have a ton of his organite, and he has Lyme's disease right now. But, you know, with, based on the words that he puts out on his podcast and in the last five years, I know he's on the path. And he talks a lot about energy work and healing. And he had a very, very difficult childhood with uh, torture and rape and abuse and stuff. So, you know, you can just because he's making organite and he's got Lyme disease doesn't necessarily mean that his organite is terrible or anything. I have a ton of it, and it's got really good energy, I think. It really does. I've felt some of that. And and, that, and that's the truth. We all, it doesn't matter what level you're at, you're going to have things that come up that are there to provide a lesson for you. That Lyme disease that he's experiencing is teaching him something. It's showing him something about his life that he needs to learn. And he once he learns that lesson, then he won't need that Lyme disease anymore. Yeah, and he's been working really hard to overcome it. I actually sent him two bottles of Shiaga. Excellent. Yeah, and he has a fundraiser where he's trying to get over to somewhere where they have a really uh, next level or alternative or something specifically for Lyme's disease. So he's really close to there. It's a, it's within like five hundred or a thousand dollars, and he'll he'll have enough to get himself over there and with the Shiaga. And he's going to be on Rick Simpson oil. So he's he's been reaching out. He's probably learned a whole lot in the process. And I talked to him at Free Your Mind. He actually he fell at Free Your Mind, but he got right back up because he's uh, that strong internally. I mean, mm -hmm. and he's getting kind of kind of older, you know, compared to me. He's maybe twice my age. I don't know. But, you know, for someone that age to just fall right on their face on the concrete and then get back up like it was nothing, that sort of shows you that he's kind of uh, got a thick skin, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's somebody that's walking their talk. He may have an ailment right now, but he's not allowing it to stop him. 
he's continuing to look for ways. He's doing his best for sure, and he's yeah. got a lot of people helping out, and that's part of the great work. Is you know, if you're if you're in a good spot and you see other people who are suffering, you should help them out. Yes, because as one suffers, all suffer in the right in the long run. Right, I agree. I agree. So some other thoughts about taking good care of yourself is to be mindful of your spiritual self. Your spiritual part of you is as important as your physical being. So whether that means meditating or finding a practice, going to ceremonies, gathering together with others, I think part of what we miss in the olden days, generations past, there were many rituals that everyone would get together and do, whether it was the, a coming of age for a young man or a young woman or, or celebrating the solstices and equinoxes. That used to be big celebrations and there was much ceremony and everyone got together and celebrated and there isn't so much of that. Yeah, they've really neutered that whole sense of community in our uh, United States and everywhere around the world. What The way they did it is they divided everyone into uh, properties, and then they got us all into an economy to where everyone's too busy to even make friends with the people in their neighborhood. So how, how would you have a celebration unless you had... Unless you could somehow manage to pull people in that you knew from elsewhere, but... I guess in the old days it was probably people that you live reasonably close to, whereas now I don't even know a single person in my neighborhood. <laughs> yes, which that is sad. It's super sad. Because it would be everybody in your town or village or wherever you lived, and everyone would get together. And And so while it's important that we take care of ourselves, part of that is being in community too. So getting together, finding a group of like-minded people, whether it's on, you know, meetup.com or through word of mouth or however it is, finding ways to do what you love to do and others who might enjoy doing it with you. And that is so healing for yourself. Yeah, the, the New Haven community with the ceremonies and, you know, the peyote ceremonies and other things. That they do. That's been a very, very um, communicative and supportive group for me since I moved here a year ago. The only other thing that I do kind of regularly, I go to, uh, I do some things in the park a couple times a week. Like little, I like to try to go for the free things where they're not trying to tell you what to do so that you can organically talk to people. So there's a drum circle that I like. And, um... I also go to the uh, rock climbing gym, do some rock climbing, because it's sort of free in there. There's not that many people, and they're not really that friendly or anything. So it's, But I get a little bit of an energy boost just off of other people being there. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Just, just being around like-minded people is so important. And it doesn't matter what your spiritual focus is. You know, if you are a regular churchgoer and that brings you joy, great. Uh, one of the ways that I feed my spiritual self is in nature. And that is another thing that I think has been lost in our culture. People go from their air-conditioned house to their car to their work, 
back to their car, back to their house. All on paved roads. Yes. And they never even touch their feet to the ground. And that they is... They wear shoes everywhere. Right. It's, it's a really big problem in our culture because we've lost the natural rhythms of the earth. We've lost our connection. And anytime you can get back to nature... There's, there's a thing in Japan, you know, the cities are so big and people are living in these cramped apartments, but there's a thing, they even named it called nature bathing, where they will go to a forest and spend time in that forest and they have a name for it, nature bathing. So to make a point of doing that, maybe leaving your electronics at home, and just going to a beautiful nature center, a local lake, somewhere where you can get in the trees, maybe by water or not, but being in the trees is so important. They're, they're very helpful for us and the oxygen they create, it just helps our body. We have a symbiotic relationship with, with trees, with plants, with rocks, with, with the earth. So being in nature is, it's really crucial to our existence. That's why it's better to be a tree hugger than a tree cutter downer. I, I agree with that. Yeah. When the first time I realized this at my old house in Little Rock, some, some tree service guy tricked me into paying him to cut down a tree. He told me it was about to fall over and it wasn't. It was like perfectly healthy. I was too naive to even recognize he would rip me off. Wow. Yeah, he told me to and he told me I needed to cut it down or else it would fall on my house and kill me. And so I listened to him and then I paid him like $2,000 to cut it down. And then afterwards, it was like there was a hole in the energy yes. and it was dead. And yes. the whole yard was taken down a notch. And I was like... Good thing I'm moving out of here because that's super depressing. <laughs> well, and, and I believe you know that one of the other things I do is I'm involved with Tree City USA in our town. And that's part of my mission in life is to protect trees. A trees of, are just so important. Yeah, and a lot of people who are actually cutting down trees are order followers who don't even either realize what they're doing or aren't thinking about what they're doing or maybe they know it's bad to cut down um, the rainforest but some sort of corporation tells them that they will give them money if they do it and then all of a sudden morality and eternal truth goes right out the window it Does and the state protects these people because nobody can um, protect the trees because it's against the law and if if you do if you protect the nature and it's against the law, eventually a cops or something will, sh just like in Standing Rock, where they tried to protect, you know, from an oil pipeline. And what happened? A bunch of militarized police came and just terrorized them. Yes. For some corporation and a bunch of order followers. Exactly. That was a scary place to be, too. Mindy actually went to Standing Rock. I did. I did. You might say something about that if you would like. Yes, it was it was very interesting. It was very uplifting when we got there because the camp had grown in size because they put the call out. 
we need people here to help us. So the camp had really grown from, you know, a hundred people to a thousand people. And as we got there and started looking around and looking at car license plates, there were cars from all over the country. People that had driven five hours, 12 hours, 24 hours to get there to help, to, to lend their support. So there was this feeling of camaraderie that was really wonderful. But when I came back, I, I recognized it when I was there, but when I came back, I recognized that underneath all of that, there was this feeling of hopelessness. Part of that was cultural. I believe it has been a part of the Native American experience for generations and they carry that energy and no doubt no doubt but I could feel that also but it was interesting because we had some very dramatic things happen while we were there our first night there was the night that the incident on the bridge happened where the water cannons were brought out and they were shooting people with freezing cold water and it was very cold when we were up there it was at the end of November and several of our party were down on the bridge and several of them had tear gas all over them and had to wear masks or try to protect their face one of the young men that was with us was hit with the uh, beanbag pellets numerous times and showed us his giant bruises you know, you think a beanbag pellet isn't anything, but wow, it did some damage to him. And we saw lots of people coming back totally traumatized from the water and, and the fear. These were people, it was all about fear. That was a really terrible night. Everyone banded together. And then a few days later, I did go to one of the protests and it was otherworldly to me. You know, I live in my life in Springfield, Missouri, very isolated from things like that. But there, we were at a place like an island. They called it Turtle Island, surrounded by water. And it was a very sacred place to the Native Americans. And the corporation had taken over and on top of this island it was a kind of a mountain in the center of it were militarized police they had on riot gear they had black helmets and bulletproof vests and were holding guns and you looked up at that and it was very frightening it was very frightening there were people uh, there was some water separating where I was and that island and some of the elders had crossed that water and were at the base of the hill and they were praying. They were just praying. Totally peaceful. They were making sure and saying we are peaceful. This is our land. This is our sacred land. And they were praying on it. But I, the, the feeling was so electric there that if someone would have lost it, gotten out of control or whatever, and 
accidentally shot off a gun or threw something or did something, I could have seen all hell breaking loose. And it was frightening. Yeah, it was very bizarre happening. Uh, just seeing videos. I, I actually saw a video of that exact spot you're talking about based on your description where a woman had a camera, a video camera, just videotaping and interviewing somebody on one side of the beach and there was a bunch of police behind them on the other side. And halfway through the video, one of the cops randomly shoots her with a I with, saw that video with yes. a beanbag gun. Yes. You know, almost like it's a joke or something to yes. to, to torture people. Mm-hmm. And then I saw another video of that someone who was on a bridge, probably I don't know if it was the same day where they were spraying freezing water, but this woman was on a bridge at Standing Rock, and she was sort of backed into a corner with with a guy, and they just were, I think they had water or something they were trying to give to somebody, and that's why they were out there. They were backed into a corner, and one of these goons shoots her with a grenade launcher that had tear gas, and it hits her arm, and it blows her arm off, and so she had to get amputated and stuff. It It was on the bridge that night yes so that's how serious it is um you know if with the militarized police state most people um can't can't see it yet a lot of people can't i wouldn't say most people but a lot of people can't see it yet because it's not right in their backyard even though it is right in their backyard it's they they bring the guns and the teeth out as soon as anybody crosses their and you know one of their billion laws that they made and if a bunch of people think they're going to stand up for what's truly right and stand up for themselves and nature and everything that actually matters, then the forces of evil controlled by the government and the people who control the government, they will bring out armies. And they've got armies, and they the National Guard is a standing army, and then all the police departments are standing armies, and they follow orders. They've been programmed to follow orders, and this is how you end up in situations like Standing Rock. And part of getting past this is to help heal people on the mental level of what the root cause of this problem is, and that it's all mental, and that it's all bad programming that people have grown up with about authority and being trained to blindly obey authority and being trained to think that money is the only thing that you really need to worry about and your grades in school and that if you're doing a, a job and receiving a paycheck then that means you're a good person and it doesn't matter if your job is to uh, arrest drug users you know drug meaning like pot users and uh, ruin their life or if your job means you have to cut the rainforest down or if your job means you have to build dangerous oil pipelines or whatever you know the crazy jobs that people do on a regular basis work even just working at McDonald's is on the microcosm level and that's part of the solution is becoming aware of where this karma is coming from and developing the courage to start saying no to it and start changing whatever you can you know whatever the most pressing issues are in your life and a lot of times that is the internal toxicity in the physical realm because if you can at least clear that up then then you can think faster and start to come up with a plan of how of how you're gonna and start manifesting other ways of making your income besides dominating things and, and helping to poison people I agree. And you know, another thing that occurred to me when I was at Standing Rock and seeing these officers 
who are supposed to be helping people, but yet they're spraying bear mace in the faces of innocent people who are unarmed and only praying. I, and I'd actually posted this on Facebook, challenged everyone that if they knew, if they had a friend or a family member that was a police officer in the military, to sit them down and ask them, what what is that line that you wouldn't cross? Right. What is that line? Because if they've never asked themselves that question, they can be on the other side before they even know it in a crisis situation. And, and really, it's a good question for all of us to ask ourselves. What mm -hmm. is that line that my morality, my ethics, does not want me to cross? Right. Like Passio put it well, is says you need to ask them what order wouldn't you follow or what law wouldn't you enforce is there any laws you wouldn't enforce yes yes <laughs> exactly exactly and the, i think they need to know that before they go into those battles or those riots or or before it ever even becomes an issue to know well i would never do that well obviously they don't know or they wouldn't have shown up and exactly. the crazy thing is like 40 different law enforcement agencies showed up to Standing Rock. Right. And that shows how ridiculous and extreme the police state is when you have all of these people who think the, the public thinks are protecting them, and then they all gang up in a conspiracy, and none of the supposed good cops or good military or good National Guard stops them when they're abusing people who aren't hurting anyone i mean it was self it wasn't self-defense these wasn't. the police officers weren't engaged in self-defense in any way because they they were all they had guns and then they were just attacking people who um you know were playing the victim part to a degree i don't i have i have i have to question the whole protest approach of trying to overcome the police state and I think part of this is actually programming because I, I did see this uh, movie that was obvious mind control and it was about like black people overcoming um, systematic bias or, or racism. And what they what the movie sort of sent the message to the viewer was is that if you want to change things, what you need to do is to do go go out in public and break the law on purpose and do it in front of everybody as a protest and then when the police come allow them to beat the shit out of you and kill you if they have to that's what the movie sent oh the message to the viewer and it's almost like this might be some sort of programming that the system wants people to buy into and it might have manifested itself in a way at standing rock because anytime you're going to disobey the system you have to expect that there is going to be uh, an army behind the, p the police and if they have to they will bring the National Guard out you have to expect there's going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of programmed robotic cult members who are going to come down with with weapons and you have to expect that they're going to murder people because that's what they do and this showed itself at a Oregon, the Oregon rancher protest at that uh, federal building. It was like B Bureau of Land Management building. The Oregon protesters thought that they could just do a protest where they show up with weapons at the Oregon land management and somehow that that would magically set their son free and also change the law and make justice happen. 
And see, this is almost like a naive way of dealing with a police state. I mean, it drew attention, but when you're going to bring weapons out against a police state, you have to expect that they're going to use their four f full force against that to smash it. And because that's and that's exactly what happened at Oregon. And at Standing Rock, you know, they didn't just explode everybody because they didn't have to because they didn't have weapons. All they had to do was just sit there and torture them and get off on it. They get off on being on video torturing people and getting away with it. So feeding into that by, by allowing them to continue torturing you and to show up at these protests and just where, where you know there's people with guns that are trying to oppress you and showing up there over and over again, like in the Fed rallies and, and this and that where the police get out of control, it's almost like it's a counterproductive because they what do they do they arrest you and then they drag you through all this court bullshit and then they get steal money from you and then thinking that that's gonna catch enough attention to really change things overnight I I mean this is almost like operating on the plane of effects and not the plane of causes but at the same time it did catch uh, you know, national attention and international attention. It did, and so it did expose the problem. And I understand what they were wanting to do. They were wanting a peaceful protest. The, the native peoples have typically used force in the past, would battle, and, you know, that didn't work out so well for them. Peaceful protests, I think, have a point, but there, there may be another way that we can get our our message across to try to change the state the world is in right now. Right. The way, the only way in the long term, in the short term, there can be a physical revolution. And nobody wants that because everyone knows anytime you get in a fight with anybody, there's going to be collateral damage and you're going to have something taken from you. Even if the opponent is weaker than you, they will always manage to get something from you. Maybe, maybe not always, but when you have a militarized police state, you know, thinking that you're going to have a, a forceful revolution against that and not do it in consciousness, what's going to happen is a whole bunch of people are going to die, all kinds of people, until, um, and, you know, if they force everyone into a corner, it become, there comes a point where it is impossible to avoid, which the police state is doing every day, and that's, you know, the direction it's been moving for hundreds of years. So... That's why the time is like 11.59 or 12.05, and the only way out now is to, to help to deprogram people, especially the cult members themselves, you know, the police and military and the people who work for government and, you know, the IRS. They are the ones who are ultimately responsible for this, and the people most responsible are the police and military, because you can't blame their actions on the corporation, and you can't blame their actions on anyone else other than them. I mean, you can a little bit, but the overwhelming majority of the karma and the, the moral culpability and responsibility for what those officers were doing at Standing Rock is on their shoulders, and like the guy who shot the woman um, for no reason, both of those people, all, all of them, they're, they are ultimately, eternally most responsible for that. And they can't say that just because someone else told them to, that somehow means they're not responsible. Right. That's not how karmic law works. No, personal responsibility. Yep. Yeah, so if, if um, we circle back around, I think 
the problems that are happening in the world today are so huge that one person may not be able to affect change in the entire world, but if we take care of ourselves and offer help in our community, find a way to help locally, and if everyone were to do that and build up your local community, I believe that brings us a lot more power than, than really scattering our energy in, in big national revolutions. Not that, right. not that some of those aren't important. Another thing you can do is help to deprogram and send messages to your local authorities because they're the ones directly over you. Like, uh, Really, it takes quite a few people who are all in agreement on the truth about this. And that's part of how they the state gets its power is divide and conquer and they they plan on infighting and they will actually send in uh people into groups who they they perceive as a threat to sit there and just cause trouble in the group and spy on them kind of thing but the reason why enemies like that are able to to stomp all over what's right and what's true is because the people in the truth and freedom movement are not all the way there on an individual level to the truth to where they start to agree on the difference between right and wrong and the actual solutions the more people who can get to that high level of understanding the causal factors and what needs to change in the micro and macrocosm then the the only that's the only way out is to get more and more individuals on that level and that's the entire point of this podcast really and other podcasts like Mark Passio's podcast and I have to uh, qualify what Mindy said about one person not being able to change the entire world. That's that's a half truth. The other side of the of the half truth is that one person does actually, by their every action and thought and emotion they take, resonate out into the entire universe. And by doing your share of the great work, which is the first half, and getting your own thoughts, emotions, and actions in line with what's right and true. And what's healthy and beneficial for everybody, especially you know everyone, everyone is equal here. That's that uh, does actually have a very very powerful um, impact into the uh, the field and the manifested reality that you wake up to. I almost think that it puts you on a parallel future dimension where everyone else spontaneously starts healing, especially when you start putting the message out. So by me doing this, it's almost the way I perceive it. Tomorrow I'll be I'll, since we made this podcast now. Tomorrow I will have woken up, and although I might not be directly aware of it, all over the world a whole bunch of similar podcasts will have been made, in in that same sort of time window. Just because I just took the initiative to do it, kind of thing. Yes, yes. Because I followed the spirit. And thank you for for clarifying that, because of course, every person, one person can make a difference, and I think I may have misspoke on that <laughs> well it's a paradox See, it is a paradox one person can make a difference but at the same time there's all these other selves and that's why a person can feel like they're making so much spiritual progress and then so high above everyone else and they're like why is the world still messed up when i've been making all of this prog progress and part of that is because there's seven billion other souls that have to be helped up that ladder and until they get higher up the ladder which just by you doing it drags them up. But if you start actively reaching your hand down and pulling and helping the ones who are ready to climb up, 
using um, energy work or, and other and advice and truth, giving them the truth most importantly, that's uh, gonna and that's gonna have a much more fast and powerful effect on the manifested reality. But it it can be discouraging to be in this um, timeline on Earth when you are aware of how sick the whole place is. That can be very discouraging. But I mean, I sometimes have a hard time accepting it. Mindy Mindy told me when she did any energy work on me that my past life was like in Pleiades. And uh, I was like a high, high, highly intelligent being or something there. And for some reason, I chose to come here. And it was a very difficult path to choose. <laughs> yes, because you don't really fit here. Right. It's, it's so against what you were before. Yeah, and it seems like, you know, the environment, I know it's not supposed to be this way. I know it's not. And I, I also know that we can make steps towards getting it the way it should be. And by doing that, that's really the only choice. Because um, by not doing that, then you're just causing more suffering for yourself and everyone else by not doing the right thing. And especially when you start going into doing the wrong thing knowingly or even just ignoring the truth to try to escape having to make that decision in the first place, which is what what's the root word of ignorance is, is we're trying to escape reality by just sticking to what you think you know and, and purposefully not looking into things that people are trying to tell you and purposefully ignoring the spirit that see the dark side has programmed people into thinking that ignorance is bliss right yes this is the exact opposite of the truth and this is what's called an inversion and the truth is ignorance by under natural law inevitably leads to enslavement extinction and uh, suffering and death inevitably so really this is uh, one of those archon inversions david ike talks about the inversions there's all there's all kinds of them, and spiritual discernment is about being able to weed out the these inversions that can crop up everywhere in all types of teachings. Christianity has them. Uh, for example, Christianity has a traditional teaching that homosexuality is a sin, which is an inversion because it's actually the hundred percent opposite of the truth. If if there's consensual homosexuality, then I don't think that's a sin, especially at this moral standard that we're at. I mean, you know, nothing nothing wrong with that. And when you have people acting on incorrect beliefs, religious beliefs that are not in alignment with truth, like in uh, Muslim countries where they th where the Quran tells them that homosexuality is wrong, the the connotation or the uh, what that means is if something is immorally wrong, then that means that you are justified in forcibly stopping it. So when, whenever uh, a Muslim country or even Christian teachings say that homosexuality is wrong, then what that tells people in those churches and communities is that if they find a homosexuality, then they're justified in forcefully either murdering him or just stopping him from doing or they need to send him to some sort of camp where they can brainwash him into not being homosexual. This is how the mental realm affects the physical manifested reality and it's a matter of a team effort of deprogramming everyone from all their illusions. The Christians who have bad you know, versions of Christianity, they gotta change. And the Catholics, too, if they still think the Pope is anything other than a total pedophile or Satanist or something. I don't, I don't trust the Pope. <laughs> 
they got to they got to cut that out and then the military has to cut quit thinking that the marines is their only family and is uh somehow protecting anybody <laughs> it's just you work on everywhere you go every time you see somebody with carrying these delusions you just gently correct them and if if they if that doesn't work for them and they want you to engage them in a different way which i find some of them do i find some of them either want or need to be like talked harshly to i don't know mark passio sure does it and his, his stuff really worked i mean he can get pretty harsh with people i don't know i think he can but that's that's the beauty of it i think well and and um once again using your intuition on how you talk to other people but then just getting back to really making sure part of taking care of yourself as we were just talking about is personal responsibility being personally personally responsible for what you do you can't be responsible for what anyone else does you can sure talk to them about it and do the best you can but the more we can care for ourselves making our world better it ripples out and creates it does yes right yeah and i think i had seen that um um David Hawkins, who wrote Power Versus Force, yeah. said that for every person who raises their energy vibrations up multiple points, it ripples out and heals hundreds of others. That's what I'm saying about the parallel future. If you Yes. And one of the most obvious ways to heal yourself, but also one of the most difficult, is the emotional healing. Like, yes. if you're walking around feeling like you're a total victim and that the police state is just totally terrifying and an undefeatable enemy and they're, they're immortal and there are demons that are just there to torture you forever and you have this totally hopeless attitude and, uh, you know, you're just completely down on yourself and you beat yourself up, until that changes, you're going to be manifesting things in the physical reality that will feed back into that. And, the, and then it's like a downward spiral that every individual has to pull themselves out of. And it's doing the shadow work, and it's an internal process, too, because as you get more and more good energy and you're experiencing less and less negative emotion, then you want you start to want to improve on that. And then you start to want to figure out how you can tweak that into channeling more, even more and more loving energy in, right, so that you can help. And th at that point, I think that's when you start to be healthy enough to where you can really, really help with other people's problems. And that's probably part of the whole great work, really. It yes, is. <laughs> it is. It is. I think that was it. You just said it. Cool. Uh, why don't we take another break? And if, if we might be done after that, I don't know. We'll see. Well, as far as I know, this is Mindy's first podcast appearance. I don't know. What do you think, Mindy? Have you ever been on TV or radio or anything like that? I have, but it's been in jobs that I've been in. Oh, okay. Not to talk about... Whatever you want. <laughs> yes, whatever I want. Freedom. It's good, it's good <laughs> that you want to talk about that. That means you're on the path. Yes, exactly. Well, uh, congratulate Mindy on um, such a wonderful appearance and all of the encouraging and lovely words and um, loving energy coming through the inner tubes. So uh, thank you, Mindy, for showing up and uh, taking initiative and... Doing a great work. You're welcome, Nathan, and thank you, too. You have a very good heart, and I know 
how very much you want to help others to learn and grow also. Well, yeah, that's because I'm tired of suffering. Yes. But if everyone else is suffering, how, how would I not suffer? Right. <laughs> You're so right. So I have no other choice, right? So, um, uh, Mindy, and thanks also for the healing work. That was very nice. And um, anybody else who needs healing work, I'm sure you can work something out with Mindy. She's really good. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> All right. There, that's another episode of Nathan's Freedom Zone. Um, Mindy's on Facebook. I don't know. Should I give out your anything else? But uh, that's probably good enough. Yes. <laughs> cool. Uh, as always, there there is a... There are only two mistakes on the path to truth. Not starting and not going all the way. As Mark Passio would say. <laughs>